Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message. We are doing this teaching series talking about light, <clears throat> Christmas lights. Every time you see Christmas lights this year, I want you to see the lights and say, ooh, and ah, and then Jesus. Say Jesus every time you see Christmas lights. Can you do that? <laughs> lights, Jesus, action. There it is. No, uh, the idea is that at Christmas we see so much light. We see so many twinkly lights and sparkly lights and candle lights and all these lights. And it is a time to remember that Jesus came to be the light of the world. And we're exploring this imagery of light and what it symbolizes. And two weeks ago, we talked about how light represents the identity of Jesus being fully God and divine and his identity. And last week, we talked about eternity uh, and this idea of, you know, light is not just temporary and for now. It is God's kingdom forever and ever is going to be described as light and uh, this morning, we're, we're talking about how light represents holiness and holy living, and that we would be people who live in the light. As Christ followers, we don't just talk about light and worship Jesus, who is light. We live in the light. That light would symbolize his holiness. When you see these candles and you see Christmas lights and all of that, right? Think about how light represents just a purity. And you ever been staring at light and getting kind of mesmerized by it? You stare at a campfire or a candle or not usually a Christmas tree, but maybe you stare at a Christmas tree because you're just zoning out. Uh, but you, you ever just look at a candlelight or a fire and just kind of get caught up watching it? And you just get mesmerized by it. Some of you, even this morning, as we're talking here, I'll just turn all three of them so you can just be mesmerized by the light. And there is something about the light. There is a, there's a purity to it. There's a goodness to it. There's something alive. You know, it's moving and, and, and all of that. But light in this connotation represents the holiness of God, the purity of God, the goodness of God. And, and John, the apostle, writes this letter to the early church and reminds them of this message that the God that we worship is good and he is pure and he is holy. Right? He is set apart in that way. Just like you have Christmas dishes, right? How many of you have Christmas dishes? That, not food, I mean the actual dish. How many of you unpack every Thanksgiving, you bring up the trunks and the boxes and everything, and you've got sacred dishes just for the Christmas season? Anybody got some Christmas dishes? Right? Okay, I see that hand. Hallelujah. I'm not the only one that has to move dishware that is specific to a holiday, Right? And I have like Starbucks cups that are red and I only use them. I've got pajamas that are Christmassy that I only wear at this time, right? Those things are set apart. They're holy, right? That's what holiness is. It's set apart. It's pure. It's good. It's made for something specific and sacred like that. You don't wear Christmas pajamas in April. You don't eat off your Christmas platter in July, right? It is sacred, it is set apart, there's something pure about it, it is good, and it's meant for that purpose, and there is something pure and holy, that's what holiness is, holiness is being set apart. Well, God is set apart from everyone else and everything else. He's holy. John says in verse 5 of chapter 1, says, God is light, there is no darkness in him. 
When he says God is light, he's not saying how bright God is, right? That, I mean, literally, there's moments in Scripture where God shows up, and it is very bright with Moses or Jesus getting transfigured on the mountain. It's very bright. But what John is getting at here is God is pure. God is holy. God is good and righteous and excellent and perfect. There is no darkness in him. There is no corruption. There is no sin. There is no negativity. There's no evil. There's nothing of an ulterior motive within our God. He is pure and good. That is the God that we follow. And as Christ followers, as God-following people, we are to live in that light. In verse 7, John says this, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we are living in the light, that's the phrase that just really jumped off the page for me in this imagery of light is that we worship a God of described as light and symbolized by light, and we are to live in that light. We are to be in that light. That God in his presence is symbolized by light, living in his ways, living in his holiness, living in his goodness, living in his righteousness, living in his purity, that we are living within the design and desires of God, meaning we live in that light. And we are to press into that and live in that, not live in the shadows, not live in the darkness, not live in that, but we live in the light, as John would say. If we are living in the light as God is in the light, Think about this idea of living in the light. How many of you have gone to a restaurant very dimly lit? Cheesecake Factory is notorious for this. You go to a restaurant, a very dimly lit restaurant, and they hand you a menu, but there's no lights in this restaurant, apparently, that can go at anything above like 10 lumens. So what you do is you huddle up around one tiny little candle with your menu, right? Anybody relate to this, right? You're in a dimly lit restaurant, you've got your menu, and you're just like, I don't know, what do they have for appetizers? I see cheese sticks, maybe, some mozzarella. Oh, they have a spinach dip. Can you see this? Everybody huddle around this tiny little light on our table, right? Or somebody pulls out their phone, and then a, that's just way too bright. There's like a thousand lumens coming at once, right? You've got this dimly little like candle on your table, or you've got grandma's phone that just <laughs> casts a, a spotlight all over the table, and you're like, grandma, turn it off, right? There's just too much light. But what you're trying to do is get that menu and everybody's eyeballs in the light, right? You're squeezing into that. You want to be in that because you're trying to read in the shadows and you can't do it. John is saying we need to live our lives in the light. We need to squeeze in. We need to press in. We need to huddle around the presence of God. We need to live in such a manner where our lives are in the presence of God, the holiness of God, the goodness of God, the light of God striving not to follow man-made traditions and man-made rules. That's not what John is saying. He's saying God is light. God is in the light, and so we are to be in the light. Don't try to be like man and try to follow man's rules. What we're saying is live in the light, meaning live in God's design, live in God's holiness, live in God's presence. Follow his instruction for your lives, not some man-made rules or standards or traditions. And to live in the light would be in opposition to the idea of living in what? What would be the opposite of living in the light? Darkness, the shadows. And what would be characterized by that would be this living not just in darkness, but think about what, what that connotation of that imagery gives us is this idea of living in some, some sort of state of hiding, secrecy, 
evil, wrong, unholiness, right? Think about, let's be honest, what time of day do we usually make choices we regret? Night. Nighttime. I've heard some people say, nothing good happens after midnight, right? Why? Because we make bad choices in the dark, right? We make bad choices at night. We wake up the next morning in the light, and we will, oh, I've got regrets. I regret what happened at night in the darkness. But beyond that, think about it. Like, the things that we're not proud of, we hide. We put in the shadows. It's secret. The darkness is often equated and illustrated with this idea of secrecy and sin and wrong and something shameful or remorse or regret. And so what John is propelling us towards is saying, don't live a life of regret and hiding and secrecy and, 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 and in opposition to the design and desire of what God has for you, which is to live in the light. Jesus said it similarly, but he used a different phrase. Jesus didn't say living in the light. He said walk in the light. In John 12, and the scripture will be up on the screen for you, 12, 35 through 36. This is Jesus speaking. It says, Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can. So the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. Jesus came so that we could find light to live in, to give us a path of light to live in. You ever try walking in the dark? Tough stuff, right? <laughs> Even a familiar place, you're taking the trash out, or you're walking through your backyard because you forgot to close the shed doors, or someone else did, right? And you're walking in the dark, in the rain, to go fix something or close something, right? It, even in a familiar territory, what do we need to usually do? We pull out our phone and create light so that we're not stumbling around in the dark. Even in our own homes, I have found myself in my, in my house in the dark, still stumbling around. I can vividly remember a moment one time walking down our stairs that kind of do a, 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 a loop shape, and I walked, and it was in the dark, and I thought I was done walking on the stairs, and I stepped with all the force thinking I was about to hit the ground, and instead I was missing a step, right? In the dark, boom, both knees hit the ground real hard, and I just, boom, and more than my knees hurt, my pride really hurt. <laughs> and so we shine a light to show us where we're going. Anybody ever use a flashlight to show where you've been going? You're walking in the dark. Do you shine the light to show where you've been going or where you want to go? You're pointed in front of you so you can see where you want to go. So you're not tripping over something in front of you because you've already passed that. You're not shining it in the past. You're shining it in the future. Jesus came to be a light to show us which way to go from now, to shine a light forward, to say this is what holiness looks like. This is what purity looks like. This is what godliness looks like. This is what righteousness looks like. This is what humility looks like. Let me blaze a path for you with my modeling and my ministry and my teaching and my life, and he's a light that shines a path. He is that flashlight on the hiking trail or on the sidewalk showing you these are the tripping hazards. This is how to live. We're moving forward with God, revealing truth to us to show us what it means to follow him, 
what it means to live in the presence of God, what it means to be a Christian. When Jesus was dedicated in the temple as a wee little baby, they brought him to the temple, and this guy Simeon sees him, and he begins to prophesy over him. And one of the phrases he uses to talk about baby Jesus, sweet little baby Jesus, right? It's Christmas. Simeon says he is going to be a light of revelation. He is going to be the one revealing truth to the world. Jesus is the flashlight. Jesus is the light. He is the guide. He is the one revealing truth for us to follow. He teaches us how to obey. He teaches us what holy living is. He teaches us what it means to be in the presence of God. And what John then promises us in that same verse, in verse 7, if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we will have fellowship with each other. John promises that this would be a byproduct of holy living. This is, to me, the why. Why would I want to live in the light? Is that I could be in fellowship with each other. That's what God says. That's God says through John, is that we would be in fellowship. And some scholars say, is it fellowship with one another, like other Christians? Or is it fellowship with God? You could argue one way or the other. But either way, it's a win-win. But I, I think there is a, a, a strong leaning towards this idea of being in the fellowship of God's presence, that you are close and united and in the presence of God when you are walking in the light, living in the light. You are drawn into that presence. You are under his covering. You are doing and following and living as he would have you live. I can argue the byproduct of we have fellowship with one another because you're drawn, light is drawn to light, and you're drawn to each other, and you want that fellowship with one another, and that's a really good thing too. And, and it's, it's not, a, I would say, a, a, a misreading or a bad reading of it, but I think what John is emphasizing more is that when we choose to live in the light, we choose to live in the presence of our God. We feel close to God. We aren't allowing sin to be the leader of our lives. We're allowing God to be the leader of our lives. We aren't allowing ourselves to be the thing that characterizes our identity. We're saying, I am a child of the light, as Jesus said, and I'm going to live in that light. That is the defining factor of my identity. And so we choose to live in the light and to walk in the light as Jesus and John and all these writers are saying. We're called to live in the light, but we find ourselves stuck in the dark. Why? Why are we stuck in the dark? John talks about this a little bit in two of these verses. What I see in, in verse 6 and verse 8 is this idea that we are deceived and in denial in our darkness. There is a deception that takes place in our darkness, and there is a denial that takes place in our darkness. Let's, let's break this down real quick. In verse 6, we see a deception about our darkness. We're trying to act like we have it all together, but we are stuck in our sin. We act like we're living in light, but we're really living in shadows. Verse 6, John says, So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. John is not holding any punches here. We're lying. We're we're, we're deceiving ourselves, we're deceiving God, we're deceiving others. We are lying when we say, I am following Jesus, but I'm also going to follow myself. I'm also going to follow my impulses. I'm going to follow my desires. I'm going to follow the world's desires. I'm going to follow me. But I'm also kind of trying to follow Jesus. And what he's teaching against is this double living, this hypocrisy, this hiding. That we would not be people who say one thing and do another. 
Say, I love Jesus with all my heart, but I'm going to continue to live in the shadowy parts of these habits and behaviors and choices. And we continue to choose that sin. And when we continue to live in those habitual practices, what John is saying is you're lying to yourself. I can stop anytime. It's not that bad. We're lying to God. God, this is the last time, I swear. We're lying to each other because we're living in this hypocrisy and we're deceiving each other, saying, I am good. I am right. No, I've stopped doing that. Sometimes we directly are lying to people. No, honey, I have not done that again. And then other times we're more indirectly. We present a facade of perfection and holiness and goodness. But we know behind the facade we're, we're living in darkness. John is challenging this idea of denial, or excuse me, of deception. We're only lying if we say that we are living or have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. A tough question for us to reconcile would be to be honest with ourselves for a moment and say, what sin are we lying about? Sin causes us to want to cover up. What sin are we partaking in on a regular basis? And we're just lying about it. Lying to God, lying to ourselves, or lying to somebody else. The other component to this is a denial in our darkness, that we deny that we have sin, or we deny our need for God, or our denial that we even need forgiveness because it's not that bad. We're not that bad of people. We don't need God to forgive this because it's not that big a deal. We look at ourselves and say, I'm good. And we live in this denial that we need a Savior. We need forgiving. We need a fresh start. We deny that we do anything wrong. 1 John 1.8, if we claim we have no sin, we go on fooling ourselves and are not living in the truth. You see, we're still living in darkness. If we live in this denial, this convincing of ourselves that, really am not a bad person. I'm a good person. I don't do wrong. And what we end up doing, here's the denial, is we develop justifications and excuses for our sin as a way of numbing or denying and removing any guilt that we might have. And we live in this denial, but in the same time, we're living in this darkness. In... uh, in AA groups, I've known some people that have gone through AA and been a part of it or associated with it, and one of the things that they challenge you to do is to admit you have an, an addiction. I am Sean, and I am an alcoholic, right? I'm not. I'm just I'm modeling it for you. I'm not making a moment of I'm stepping into the light, everybody, just so you know. But one of the things I admire about an organization like that and a, and, a, and a recovery group like that is that there is the removal of denial. You have to admit, I have a problem. I have a struggle. And that simple statement is also very powerful because it breaks through this denied, distorted reality that we are living in. I don't have a problem. I've got this under control. I've got this figured out. And so just as we might need to challenge ourselves to think about what sin am I lying about, we need to think about what sin am I denying 
What sin am I in denial about? What have I convinced myself it's not that big a deal? What have I convinced that I've got it all under control? It's not that bad. But whether it's deception in our darkness or denial in our darkness, I think what I would see here, the link and the, and the, and the common thread between the two is that these are things that start inside our minds. These are things inside of us. This is not external. Living in the light is going to be very visible. People will see us living in the light, but it starts with the internal transformation that takes place, the lighting up of our minds, right? I think John would say, you need to light your mind up, right? If God is the light and we're going to live in the light, you first have to experience an enlightening of the mind. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, Paul writes this to the, to the early church in Ephesus. He says, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives them because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. It's in the mind. It's internal. It's not just about changing behaviors that everybody sees. That's crucial in this discussion about living in the light. It's not just about go clean yourself up, go fix your problems, go present a better Instagram you. This is about starting internally. There is a darkness that breaks through into our minds. Our thinking has become darkened. Our thinking and our perspectives have become corrupted and evil and wrong and selfish and greedy and materialistic and lustful and sinful. And we need to allow the light of God to break through even into our minds. What I read here is a, is a letter to the early church in Ephesus that he's not writing to people that are unaware of God. He's not trying to point a finger at people that just have no concept of Jesus and saying, well, they're just living in darkness, they're doomed for hell. What he's writing about are people that are willingly saying, I know the truth of Jesus, but I'm going to continue to live in darkness. And what has happened? They've closed off their minds, they've hardened their hearts, and they've allowed their choices to wander down a path. They wander far from the life God has given them because they've closed their minds, hardened their hearts. We've closed off our minds to the truth of God. We've allowed our hearts to be grown, become hard and callous to it and say, I don't need this God thing. I don't need this gospel thing. I don't need to be holy and pure. We close off to it, and then we choose our own path. And he says, we wander. We wander like a kid in a store. We just wander. Where's the kid? I don't know. Well, they've closed their minds off to caring about where mom and dad have called them to go, right? They just wander off. We got to go find them. How many of us, how many Christians are choosing to live in a deception and in a denial of their darkness, closing off their minds, hardening their hearts, wandering off down another path? And what do we do different? We need to stop and examine. We need to analyze. We need to allow ourselves to examine our hearts and our minds, much like, uh, much like airport security luggage, right? You do an examination when you bring your luggage to the airport. I know, I'm just going to jolt you with an illustration. Here we go. When you take your luggage, I think a lot of our hearts and our minds can be like luggage at the airport. It's hardened on the outside. It's closed up. There's things packed in there. And you run it through that security system, and then all of a sudden, some genius is able to see, I don't know what I packed, but they can see it, and they can tell what I packed. I, I'm, have you ever tried to look at these screens? I, I know what I packed, and I can't even tell what it is, right? I think those are my shoes. 
but they're looking at it and they can see through the hard exterior and they can see truly what's inside of your bag. And then there are things that you pack that you shouldn't have packed, right? How many of us have accidentally packed too many fluids in a bottle, right? Or we forgot to put our, we pulled the toiletries out or we forgot. There were times I forgot like a pocket knife or a box cutter one time. Whoops. Sometimes I get dinged because I pack Sour Patch Kids because I'm not paying $8 at the airport, so I bring my own. And that somehow sets it off. Apparently, they really don't want me to bring Sour Patch Kids. So what do they make you do? Just like in the picture, open it up, right? They want to see, hey, this thing dinged. We, we, got, we got a problem here. Open it up. I wonder if, if in our encounters and in our moments with Jesus, if we were to stop and we've got hard hearts and hard minds, closed minds, and we were to just open up our hearts and minds before God and allow him to examine our lives, examine our thoughts, examine our motivations, and really see if there's anything that doesn't belong. Bring it to the light. And this is difficult. This is easy to talk about luggage. It's really hard to talk about the motivations of our hearts, isn't it? We're talking about things that maybe we've been stuck in for years or things that we thought were okay, things that we didn't realize the impact it was having on other people. And, and we're talking about opening up our hearts and our minds before Jesus and allowing him to really examine. The psalmist talks about it. Examine my heart. You see that in the book of Psalms. This is difficult stuff. Jesus understood that it would be hard to do this. That's why in John chapter 3, Jesus is quoted as saying this. Look at Jesus empathizes with how difficult it is for us to say yes to the light. God's light came into the world. Yay, hallelujah. God's light came into the world. But people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. Verse 20, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins would be exposed. So even according to Jesus, the light exists. We know we're supposed to open up our hearts and minds and allow God to kind of rummage through there and see like, yeah, you can't, you can't have that. Let's work on this. You can't behave like this. Let's change this. It's God doing that, by the way, not your pastor. I'm not the guy at the airport with the gloves on. We're allowing God to get into your heart and pull the things out and say, let's work on this. Let's work on that. Let's work on this. But Jesus said, that's going to be tough because we like darkness. The people love the darkness. Humanity likes to sin. Can we just admit that? Some of you don't want to, oh, thank you. One hand wants to admit, and it's my wife. So apparently, we have some things that we need to come up before you and admit. No, I'm just kidding. We like darkness. We're drawn to pleasure. We're drawn to addiction. We're drawn to avoiding pain so that we, we find joy in, in, in what feels good, what numbs, what's habitual, what brings joy, and, and, and it's easier to do that than to change. Jesus understood living in the darkness is more enjoyable at times than living in the light. He also said what? They refuse to go near the light, for they fear their sins would be exposed. How many of us have been living in darkness because of shame? I can't talk about that. I can't bring that up. I don't want to get into that because then people will think less of me, because then I'm going to be judged. I don't want that pain. 
So we're not going to go there. And we fear that kind of exposure and vulnerability. But see, that keeps us hidden. That keeps us in the dark. Whether it's the liking the sin or the fear of what could happen if we step into the light, it keeps us in the dark. And we continue down these paths of darkness. We allow lust to rule our lives. And so we allow porn and sex and and fantasy to just rule our decisions in the darkness. We allow greed to rule our lives. And so when we're living in our darkness, we allow materialism and selfishness and greed and stealing and all of these things and accumulation and security and finances and things. That becomes our God and we just live in that. We allow anger to be our ruler and we live in a darkness of anger and so we allow gossip and swearing and profanity and tearing people down with our jokes and we're mad at them. We're just so mad at them. So I'm gonna release this anger by gossiping about them and talking crap about them. Or I'm gonna just tear into them. Or I'm gonna be more passive aggressive and just send a zinger their way and just joke about them, but I'm really mad at them. I'm saying with a smirk on my face because I think that's my leaning right there is to just joke about my pain. But we stay in the dark. We live in the dark. We excuse our dark. We deny our dark. We like our dark. And we get stuck. But I think what Paul is getting at, what John is getting at, and what what the book of Romans gets at is this change that happens starts in our minds. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world which is on point for what we've been talking about this morning. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how God, then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God changes the way that we think. Paul talks about it being described as the mind of Christ. These are all internal transformations that take place within our thinking and our paradigms, and we rediscover, oh man, this is what sin is, this is what holiness is, this is what's obedience, and this is what's good, and this is what living in the light looks like, and this is what's wrong, and okay, I'm not going to live in that way, but it all starts with a transformation of the mind, a transformation of our thinking, our changing of our views of God and ourselves and our sin and our holiness and how are we going to live and our choices and behaviors and all of that, it changes our thought. As Paul says, don't copy the behavior, but let God transform the way you think. Let him change the way that you think, and then you will learn God's path for you. You will learn what God has for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So how do we do this? How do we start? Where do we go from here? What's our action step? John gives us an action step here, and it is, I think, going to start with, how do we live in the light, right? How do we experience that transformation of the mind? Where where do we start? It starts with confession. When we find ourselves to a point where we're living in darkness, what is the first step towards opening our luggage? What is the first step towards life change? What is the first step towards new thinking or stepping into the light? And it is confession. Confession is a spark to living in the light. It sparks a new lifestyle within us. John, in his writing, in 1 John 1, 9, the last verse that was read this morning, it says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. 
That is an amen. That is a promise. And it's not just tagged on like John didn't know what he was writing about. Like, well, let's get you to confess. He, he, I mean, think about it. He starts with God is light. We aren't. We're living in darkness. What do we do now? You like John's voice? I like it too. It's pretty gruff, like he's been smoking a pack a day, right? <laughs> what do we do now? God is light. God is light. We are not living in the light. How do we live in the light? Verse 9, in the end of this passage that we just read, confess. He doesn't say, go to church more. He doesn't say, clean yourself up, change your habits, get an accountability group. All of those things are good. The spark that changes, the spark that steps us into the light and gets us out of the shadows is a step of confession. We talked about AA earlier. It's that same idea. It's a confession, a starting point. It's acknowledging I'm living in darkness. I am making a mistake. I have bad choices that I am making, and I'm stating a need for Jesus to do what? Forgive me. I need Jesus to forgive me. I am broken. I am sinful. I am selfish. I am in need of a Savior. And guess what? That Savior came. Christmas is the celebration of that light coming to earth, that Savior coming to earth. That confession is a clear declaration that you and I are choosing to repent. That's a big churchy word. What is repentance? Repentance is a U-turn, which are legal in California, but not here, apparently. Can't do a lot of U-turns in Washington, but if you drive in other states, they just U-turn everywhere. Repentance is a U-turn. It's a change in trajectory. It's, I was living this way. I was living this way. Oh, I came to know Jesus. I heard about something about this Jesus guy. I'm changing my direction. I'm not living in that way anymore. I'm living in darkness. I'm living in this behavior. I'm choosing these choices. I'm living this way. Nope, I found Jesus. He's shown me something different. I confess a need to change my trajectory. Confession is a, is a, is a declaration of your repentance. Repentance is a U-turn. Repentance is a turn and saying, Jesus, be the guide of my life. Take the steering wheel of my life. I want to obey you. I want to follow you. And following is not necessarily a theme that we hear a lot about in our world. How many of you have heard a lot of TED Talks about following? Any good following books on the Barnes & Noble top 10 list or on Amazon? Most of the time we get books about leadership. We hear TED Talks about leading. We hear podcasts about being a better leader. And yet Jesus calls us to follow, which is so countercultural. I'm sure there's good resources on following. I'm not diminishing it. But the ratio, there's a lot more about leading than there is about following. Because following is not a subject that we are really keen on. And yet, living in the light means I'm going to live under the light. I'm going to live under the authority of the light. I'm going to live under submission of the light. I'm going to choose to step into the light. I'm going to choose to let Jesus dictate my life and lead my life and have authority in my life. And think about what confession and repentance really is. It is an admitting that Jesus is in charge. When I confess, I'm not just admitting my mistakes, but I'm saying, Jesus, you know better than I do. Jesus, you are better than I am. It is an act of submission. It's an act of following. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke about being the light of the world. He said this, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you lead me, you won't have to walk in darkness. No, I misread that on purpose. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. 
Confession and repentance are an act of saying yes to following Jesus. Not telling Jesus what's your sin, and uh, Jesus, we're not going to call this sin anymore, right? We're okay with this. No, we're, we're going to let Jesus get into our luggage. We're going to let Jesus get into our hearts. We're going to let Jesus get into our lives and say, hey, Sean, we need to, we need to work on that. Hey, Sean, we, we, need to, we need to change this. And I say my name because I am just as susceptible and just as open to wanting to sin and live in sin as anybody because I'm fully human. And Jesus said, us humans, we like sin. But confession is the spark towards stepping in to the light. And that change is real and that change can happen. Ephesians 5.8, I'm going to end with this final verse to just encourage us that there is a possibility of change for any of us. Ephesians 5.8, Paul writes to the early church, he says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Can we pray that that describes us? As individuals, but also as a collection of people. For once you were living full of darkness. For once, at one time, you were full of darkness. But now you have the light of the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. How many of you want a life that produces what is true and good and right? Yes! That is not a bad thing. We should want a life that produces what is good and right and true. We're not saying step into the light and your life is going to be terrible. We're saying step into the light and admit these things and allow God to go through your luggage. And what's going to happen as we step into the light, as we confess and we repent? We, we step into a life change. We become children of light. We become representations of that light. We produce what is good and right and true. And as we talk about next week, we are people who are shining their light in a dark world. That's next week. Buckle up. We're going to shine our light next week. But we can't shine a light that we aren't living in. You get that? We can't shine a light that we ourselves are not living in. And so church, this is a call for all of us to step into the light. I don't care who we are. This is an opportunity for us in this time of worship. I'm going to welcome the worship team up. And during this time, to just have a conversation with Jesus. Allow him to open the luggage of your heart. To examine. And if there's anything you need to confess and repent and turn from, you can do that right where you're seated. You can come forward if you need to. There's plenty of space. If you need to symbolically kind of step out of your seat and into something new, you are welcome to come up and take, take a spot up front. You can kneel. You can sit. You can lay down. Take a posture of repentance if you need to. You can do that from your seat. You can do that at home where you're at. But let's use this next time to just be honest with Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to step into the light. Church, would you stand with me? I want to pray for us. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.com connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life.